over to Amos, then I flipped over to Habakkuk. I thought we need to go test you. God just said, this is what we need to hear. So I want you just to close your eyes and ear and listen for a moment. Just concentrate on the words that I'm going to speak. All I'm going to do is read the second chapter of 2 Timothy before I share some things. And then you can dig in and read it following. But just imagine you're a hearer in the early church, and here comes a letter from Paul. The last letter he writes to his son in the ministry, Timothy, and he's sharing it around. They're reading it to others. Listen to what he says. You, therefore, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the teachings which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to faithful people who will be competent to teach others also. Suffer together with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. For no one who serves as a soldier is entangled in the activities of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him. And also, if anyone competes, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And the farmer who works hard must be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I am saying, for the Lord will grant you understanding in all these things. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David according to the gospel, in connection with which I suffer misfortune to the point of imprisonment, even as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Because of this, I endure all things for the sake of the chosen, in order that they may also obtain, which <clears throat> is in Christ Jesus, may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a trustworthy saying. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Remind people of these things, solemnly urging them before the Lord not to dispute about words. There's no way beneficial that leads to the ruin of, of hearers. Make every effort to present yourself approved to God, a worker having no need to be ashamed, guiding the word of truth along a straight path. But avoid pointless chatter, for it will progress to ungodliness, and their message will spread like gangrene among whom are hymenogenius and Phileas, who have, de <coughs> who have deviated concerning the truth by saying the resurrection's already taken place. They're upsetting the faith of some. However, the solid foundation of God stands firm, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord must abstain from it. Now, in a great house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but wooden and earthen ones as well, some of which are honorable use, some of which are ordinary use. Therefore, if someone cleanses himself apart from these things, he will be a vessel honorable for use, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. But flee from youthful desires, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, in company with those who call upon the Lord in a pure heart. Avoid foolish and uninformed controversies, because you know that produces quarrels. And the slave of the Lord must not quarrel, but be kind towards everyone, skillful in teaching, tolerant, correcting those who are opposed with gentleness. Seeing whether perhaps God may grant them a repentance to the knowledge of the truth, and they will come to their senses again and escape the trap of the devil, for they were being held captive by him to do his will. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for us just taking time to listen and to read. 
down from here and, and try to unpack it a little bit. Encourage us, strengthen and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I thought about, we're talking about finishing strong. That's kind of the overarching thing. That's Paul's whole thing. You know, I fought the fight, I've kept the faith. I'm done, and and look what's coming. But not only me, but anyone else that follows along these paths. And so uh, I I chose today's topic, I guess, if I sermon title, Live Like a Hall of Famer. Uh, You know, here, the uh, 1998 draft, many of you will remember, was one of the most anticipated drafts in history if you were around in football because there were two quarterbacks surely to be picked first and second in the draft. One was simply Peyton Manning. And you can see his picture there. The other one, you might remember, you may not, was Ryan Leaf. His picture comes up. Now, we all know who Peyton is. Now, he's still doing commercials even though he's retired, right? But who was Ryan Leaf? Well, like Peyton, he had been a Heisman Trophy runner-up. Peyton finished second. Ryan finished third. He had a great arm. In fact, many of the uh, people in the NFL, many of the leaders in the NFL, had the idea the general manager surveyed thought that he was the best choice coming right out of college. That that you couldn't go wrong with either one of these guys. Well, Lee's career lasted just four seasons. Uh, He's also, every year, he's also pointed out as the number one NFL draft bust in history. Anytime you have the draft, you get to see his name again. What a legacy to have. Um, but that's not even where his legacy finishes. He ended up addicted to drugs and was a thief. Uh, ended up breaking in and spent several years in jail. Uh, when he got out of prison, he's now working in a halfway house, helping others uh, not follow the same path. In fact, he's coming back to sports somewhat, talking to rookies that come in from the NFL and talking about what not to do. And then, of course, there's Peyton Manning. You know, Peyton, if you see the picture pop up there, he uh, won the Super Bowl, and I did not pick Denver on purpose. No, you can pick Denver if you want. I, I chose Picture Denver. Won two Super Bowls, you know. You know the story of Peyton. Undoubtedly, next year he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, successful off the field as well. I mean, you think of all the commercials he's in, uh, the jingles even now, we're not even going to start it because they'll go in your head. Papa John's. I mean, you just think about this guy, just a good all-around guy is what you think of. But you say, okay, Glenn, that's cool. Those are people that are, I can understand living a life that are, if you're the number one guy, you're the best of the best. Well, what if you feel like you're a nobody? What if you don't feel like you're the best of the best, one or two? You know, there was a guy in the first six rounds in the 2000 draft. There were six quarterbacks selected before him. He was the seventh quarterback selected. I don't remember any of the six. I mean, you can look it up as trivia. Some of you might. He was the 199th player chosen. Uh, he will probably go down as the greatest of all time quarterback, but it's debatable. But we call him the GOAT or Tom Brady. Well, like Manning, he'll be inducted as soon as he's eligible for the Hall of Fame when he hangs up the cleats. Now, it's easy to see why both those guys had it. Why both of those guys had such great careers. Instead of just raw talent, they had qualities that other players lacked. They have an obsessive commitment to be the best. Do we do that in our Christian life? They both play with a team-first mentality. Do we do that? 
or we try to be lone rangers. I don't need the church. I don't need people. I just do my own thing. They both are single-minded focused on the goal of winning the game. Are we single-minded focused on leading others to Christ? Growing our faith to share. Just as everyone else, they started as second stringers and worked their way in before they earned their title of future Hall of Famer or Hall of Famer eventually. Those who finish strong in the Christian faith are those who will be able to say in their final days, just like the Apostle Paul says, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. And that's what it's about. It's a journey. We're on a journey. It's not just from here to there, I'm saved, I'm walking with God, I'm done. Are you growing? Are you sharing? Are you reaching others as well? You know, the attitudes of these twos and habits made them top-tier people as Christians, the attitudes that we have will make us top-tier Christians in what we do, how we share, who we touch. As we work our way through Second Timothy, uh, just remember, finish strong. Live life like a Hall of Famer. Um, last letter written by the Apostle Paul, if you hadn't been with us, um, he's in prison, uh, in chains, nothing is good. He's in a dungeon. And he's writing this letter that we might be able to connect and to hear. It's kind of farewell to his friend and his protege, uh, who's a spiritual leader at the church at Ephesus at the time. Here are three things that I noticed out of that second chapter that jump out at me that I want to share with you. In order to finish strong, first, we need to hold ourselves, hold yourself to a higher standard. Hold yourself to a higher standard. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, he should set you apart, right? Be in the world, but not of the world. Do, you, do people know that there's something different about you? Or do they think you're just part of the everyday world out there? Paul says to Timothy, and you look at verse 15. You got your Bibles open now to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Uh, literally, the one approved means one who has passed the test. One who has met the requirements. Um, you know, you all, I was listening to one of my grandkids last night talk about, hey, February's coming, I get to take the driver's, I learned you can take your driver's permit online. Did, did you guys know that? I learned something new. It didn't help me with my driving last night as I couldn't see as it was getting dark and I cut it a little sharp and my back tire caught a nice little corner piece of concrete and went kapow. So my truck is blocked up if you drive by my house. That's why. Uh, yeah, that was me, on me. Guess where I'm going to Walmart today. Yeah. Hey, it's life. We learn a lot of cool stuff. One approved, one who passes the test. Seniors, you got ready to get out of school? You got to get through the last test. Kindergartners ready to get to first grade? You got to get through first grade or kindergarten to get to first grade. We all look at the things, test after test after test, whatever we go to, whatever job we take, whatever certificate we try to get, whatever, you know, uh, we've been there. I remember when I got my security license years ago when I was bivocational, it was on a computer and it was the hardest thing. So as soon as you hit the last question, pass or fail, it's gone. You can go back and fix them before, but once you hit number of 150, there was 150 questions. And I sat there, and it was a time thing, and I'm looking at the time. I've got 10 minutes. How sure of myself? Am I ready? Have I passed the test? And I remember holding my breath and going, 
And I thought, okay. And I, I literally put my hands over my eyes, guys. And I looked, and you know what it said? Before we give you results, please take this survey. <laughs> and it was like a five-question survey. How did it do? And I did pass the test. But it, it was, listen, those are the tests that most people fail on the first time when you start working in, in uh, stockbroker security stuff. So it, it's, I just happened to be a good test taker, and I was pretty nerdy with that. You think about that. We pass the test, and we feel good. And if we fail the test, we work harder to pass it the next time. Paul's telling us that. So what does he mean? He gives his examples here in verses 4, 5, and 6 about what it looks like to pass the test, to hold yourself to a higher standard. Look with me. In verse 4 he says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Here he's talking about total commitment. Look on the slide. Total commitment. He's talking about total commitment. He's saying if you're a soldier, you're a soldier full-time. Now, we live in a world and in our country where we have weekend warriors, as we call them, and we are very blessed uh, to have those that, that serve part-time and have a civilian life also and, and service and called up when needed. In the Roman army, that wasn't the option. When you were a Roman soldier, you were a Roman soldier. Now, you got a lot of cool stuff like citizenship and like paid in salt and like land and things that others never got because you were enlisted when you finished your tour of duty. You know, the, the commitment is there. We need to realize that there's no Christian reserve army. We're not half Christian and get called up to do Christian. When we are a Christian, we're like in the Roman army, guys. It is a full-time job. I don't care whether I'm preaching here, whether I'm doing the counseling that I do on the side, whether I'm out taking my tire off of my truck when I'm moving junk in and out of the shed to get it set up up there, when I'm doing all these other things, filling up my gas tank, stopping in the, the, uh, the Torrey Pines or Casey's and visiting, I still am a Christian. I still should exhibit those same principles and attitudes that I exhibit being in this body. Do I always? Absolutely not. Just like you, we all fail. But the bottom line is, it doesn't matter. We're full-time Christians. It's total commitment. If you're in, you're in all the way. And, and if not, you're out. Paul's saying, hold yourself to a higher standard of total commitment. In verse 5, look what he says. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to his rules. According to the rules. And Brian, I saw you back there. By the way, last week you were on our slide. You didn't know that. You may know that by now. It, it just kind of worked out. I thought, hey, hey, congratulations. Have you recovered? So you ready to go to the next Ironman? Oh, yeah. Hey, hey it's going to snow. It's going to get cold. We'll have to break the ice and swim with the turtles. Oh, man, buddy. I admire you. Total commitment. Personal integrity. Rules. You know, if you cut through, there's ways to try to beat the system when you're in contest. But you usually get caught. Paul is telling us here, Hold herself to a higher standard for an athlete's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Personal integrity. It doesn't matter how skilled the athlete is. If he's playing like the rules don't apply to him, see it happens so many times that superstars and would-be Hall of Famers and great talented people play one or two years in any sport we watch. And for some reason they can't handle it. They can't handle the media. They can't handle the work. They get hooked by something else. They they make all this money and they, they party it away or do whatever. 
and what was a once budding, promising career is now the biggest bust in the NFL or the, or the Major League Baseball draft or whatever. First-gen prejudice. Always think of people like Lance Armstrong. Mm. A-Rod, Bonds, McGuire, ooh, Cardinals, ow. Paul's telling us to hold ourselves to a standard of integrity that talent means nothing and potential means nothing if you have no integrity, my friend. Next, in verse 6, he uses an example of the farmer. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. He's talking really, literally here about patient expectation. Maybe we can call it delayed gratification, something we need to learn, something that took me forever. And it's, I still struggle with that. That's me. Some people can handle that. Most of the time, the farmer works all year long in anticipation of that brief season of harvest. He puts in all this work, risk all this money, risk everything. He doesn't get a whole lot of anything until the crops come in and everything's paid back. You know, you guys know how it works. But all along, are the seeds in the ground and it's not up? Are the rains coming? Is the sun, is the heat going to be enough? Too much rain, not enough rain. Too much this, not enough this. All, all the crops look great. Then come the thunderstorms and the hail and the wind. Is it going to get and destroy my field? And then it comes time to harvest. Is it too wet? Is it dry? Where am I going to put it? How am I going to take it? You understand that. Paul uses that example of patient expectation. It takes discipline and patience to grow. Paul's saying that the Christian life is no different. There will be seasons when you give a lot and you don't see immediate return. There are times we invest in people, we work with people, we do all these things. And it seems like, come on, God, you're not coming anymore. They quit coming to our youth group, our children's ministry. They quit coming to church or they're not in the Bible study or they're not wherever. God, where are they? What have we done? Nothing. They just you understand? There'll be seasons when you give a lot, you don't see the immediate return, but, but when this happens, lesser people quit. Paul says, don't be one of them. Hold yourself to a higher standard. I like the quotes by a lot of, uh, Jerry Rice has a great quote, the Hall of Fame football player. He says, today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. It's interesting that quote. They used to have a poster of that at the Blues game. Today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. Hall of Famers hold themselves to a higher standard. Here's a second quality Paul talks about in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. People are your top priority. Hold yourself to a higher standard. People are your top priority. It's not about you. It's about the people you are called to serve. Paul tells Timothy and tells us. Therefore, in verse 10, therefore endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may Abstain, obtain the salvation <coughs> that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now remember, this is his attitude while he's in prison. Somehow, serving the gospel, he's done all these things, and he's ended up in the dungeon, hung out in chains, ready to die when they come to get him. And, and somehow, he used to bring people to Christ, and he brings them. The people I serve are more important than any suffering I am enduring, is what he's saying. Again, something I say at every wedding, something 
I, I try to get us to understand it. It holds true here. The we is more important than the me. In our Christian life, we as a group, we as a fellowship of believers are more important than us as individuals. Of sharing the gospel, of, of connecting with one another. I know the statement's not grammatically correct, but theologically it is. We are more important than me, and it always will be that way. Self-sacrifice, others first, love yourself. Paul demonstrates this attitude in verse 2 when he says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust the faithful men, and literally in the, in the Greek there, guys, it's men and women, uh, who will be able to teach others also. He's saying that the gospel is about telling people, telling people, telling people, telling people. We learn from one another as we teach one another. What I've learned, I teach here. What they've learned, they teach there. You know, it's funny. Uh, I watched my son do some work while I was at home last weekend when he was here before he was here. Some of the ways he was teaching his kids to do some things, some of the same ways I taught him. Some of them are much better, which I need to tell him he's doing better. Some of them he picked up some of the bad habits I had. And I'm like, yeah. Do you get it? We all do that. But as we teach others to teach others to teach others to teach others, we are called to do that as Christians. As Hall of Famers, we pour our life into others. You watch anybody... And, you know, we talk about Patrick Mahomes from the Chiefs. One of the things that's most impressive with him, it's not his bench throwing and all that. Everybody's entitled to that. But have you watched how he's handled this injury on the sideline? He's not moping around like he's a prima donna. He's making everybody on the team better. Matt Moore, who did great while he was out, says, he was telling me things I wasn't seeing. He was watching, he was seeing. That's what will make him a great player as long as he's able to stay physically fit people that have the commitment to others, that have the team concept, people are the top priority, you notice what happens. Invest in people. In verse 22, he tells people your top priority by pursuit righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. One of the greatest things for me about being a follower of Jesus Christ, it's the people that God has brought in my life that he's graciously given me the opportunity to live with, to work with, to fellowship with, to serve with, to grow older with, together, to be with. We're more than friends. We're more than just family. We're compatriots, brothers and sisters in arms, fighting the good fight together, running the race together, keeping the faith together, sharing the gospel together. That's why I can't go to Haiti. My, my physical limitations do not allow me to do that. But I enjoy seeing Ben's pictures and working and laugh at Sam and them having to work. I don't laugh. I don't laugh. I laugh with you because you're part of what I can do. I, I'm, I'm not there physically, but I'm there in spirit. I'm there in financially giving. I'm there in prayer. That's being part of the team and going to Africa, doing the things that we're doing. We're, we're doing so many cool different things in our church, opportunities and ministries here locally and outside that you can do what you want to do. So many neat things. You need to hear what God's doing and, and find where God's at work and join Him there. Be a part of the team. People is your top priority. We is more important than me. Here's the third and final thing as we close out. Focus on what really matters. Focus on what really matters. 
In the early church, it was like the church of today. People were easily distracted over insignificant matters. Um, one major difference is we've, we can understand that Paul's writings now aren't just some crazy dude out here doing something. We know that they are, are scriptural. We know that the word of God, that they were inspired by God, that they are God-breathed and they are good for teaching and training and leading to righteousness. We know those things. But back then, thought, people probably thought he was just one of these other preachers. Which one do I follow? Who do I hear? And some people considered him a heretic because he preached an inclusive gospel that all people, regardless of race, gender, gender, social status, were equal in the eyes of God. That all could be saved in faith through Jesus Christ alone. We take that for granted. But when Paul said that, that was, wow. That was radical. You mean the slave is the same as me, the owner? You mean the person that, that has nothing is as good as I am? Or put the shoe on the other foot. I'm the slave that has absolutely nothing. My owner, my master, he can be my brother. I can have the same that he can have. God will love me as much as him. As far as Paul was concerned, this was the big picture. This is what really mattered, that people experience salvation in Jesus Christ. Verse 23 says, Have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone. We know the difference. That's Hall of Fame. Some people want to argue about the style of music in a service or the style of dress or the way baptism's done or the way communion's done or biblical prophecy and blah, blah, blah. My way's the only right way. Guys, there are more important matters. The foundational things are very important. We don't argue over those. But the other good taste kind of things that come around. The problem in our world today, people don't have tolerance for one another. They say, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. And uh, that's a shame. People love to argue. Paul warns against that. Take heart in your mind here as Christians. He goes on to say, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths in Ephesians. He, he tells us, also let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt so that you may know you ought, how you ought to answer each person. In verse 22, he tells us to flee from our youthful passions. And, and many times when I was younger, oh yeah, I'll flee from that sexual temptation. Okay, that's part of it, but that's not all of it. That's not all he's talking about. He's also talking about other evil desires that plague us when we're young and foolish. And young and foolish doesn't necessarily mean young in age. Because if we don't deal with them, these evil desires will continue to plague us. Then we become old and foolish. What am I talking about? Think about self-centeredness. The world revolves around what I want. Impatience. I want it. I want it now. Arrogance. I know all I need to know about this situation. You can't tell me anything. Intolerance. You're not as tolerant as me. I don't want anything to do with you. Temper tantrums. If I don't get my way, I'm going to throw a big fit. All of us have gone through some of those in our life. Focus on what really matters. We care more about, as the Hall of Famers, as I said earlier, care about winning games than more than racking up stats. In the same way, Hall of Famers of life care more about winning than losing arguments. If anything stands in the way, any bad habit, any attitude holds them back, they'll abandon it and leave it behind. They know what matters most and where the focus remains. 
focus on what really truly matters. In the same way, every day in your life, you have the opportunity. You know, like players on the football field, baseball field, soccer, whatever your sport is, they're all trying to make a Hall of Fame someday. In their mind, that's what they want to do. Even the second and third team string players, who are in the top 1% of all athletes, by the way, think, maybe I will. Maybe I'll get my chance. In our Christian life, we want to make the Hall of Fame. They're in 11, the great cloud of witnesses. That the writer of the book of Hebrews calls in chapter 11. Great verse, great chapter. Like every Hall of Famer, every day of your life, hold yourself to a higher standard. For you need to remember these things as we close out. Every day, remember this. People are your top priority. Look at the slide. People are your top priority. Hold yourself to a higher standard. Hold yourself to a higher standard and focus on what really matters so that you can ultimately say, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's what Paul's talking about here in 2 Timothy. I know today was a little bit longer, but I hope you caught some things that you need to hear out of that. I did for me. My prayers, the next week our youth are going to do this service, and you'll get to see some of that. The next week we'll try to whack two of them together. Before, we got a lot of things happening. It's going to be Christmas before we turn around. But dig into 2 Timothy. There's some great truths in that book. It's nice and short and easy. Let's pray. God, thank you for our time together, for the opportunity to be here to share with one another, to be part of your family. Lord, help us to make people our priority and hold ourselves as Christians to a higher standard and focus on what truly matters, as you told Timothy. Remind us, Lord, of who we are and whose we are. And we'll follow you in the paths you lead us. Lord, as we celebrate and fellowship together, use the food for nourishment of our bodies and our time together to encourage and strengthen us. May we go forth this week and bring us back again in Jesus' name.